Thank you so much for joining us here on the We Don't Play podcast show. How are you, ladies? Good. Doing well. <laughs> that's good. That's good. It's so good. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. This is such a, an amazing moment. And, you know, celebrating Mother's Day weekend, celebrating, you know, a, a new month, celebrating just life in general is, is a blessing. And at the same time, it's good to, you know, reflect on some things. So I'm really excited that we're here today to really talk deep and, and discuss about matters that really involve us people and just give us a better perspective to look at things differently so we can have a better perspective for the next generation so it would be great to you know hear from you and just let us know who you are and what you do and what is the goal what what have you been seeing so far so i guess i'll start my name is deva first lady chavez i am the president and founder of the pr and arts agency um, we're really focused on resetting ethics, standards, morals, character, integrity back to public relations and media consciously and sustainably with brands, businesses, and artistry. Um, and with that being said, I also art curate uh, with Fridge Art Fair. I partnered with them three years ago in Miami when I took over um, our event down there in the same space. So they are a non-for-profit art fair. Um, that shows both in New York and uh, Miami for Art Basel and then New York for Freeze Art Week. Um, they give opportunity to artists and to exhibit through donations. Um, where most of the spaces and exhibition spaces start at 1500 into the hundred thousands of dollars, um, we give artists that opportunity internationally and, inter and nationally to show their work and exhibit for $200-$500 um, donations and uh, as you know non-for-profits is also tax deductible and so they do get that right off as well which is a blessing and an honor to show so many different people um, were coming upon both of our 10-year uh, anniversary in Miami for Art Basel this year in December um, and then this is my second year exhibiting in New York um, with them as their director and curator uh, with Eric Ginsberg, who is their founding director. Um, it's great. We have three galleries, two on the Lower East Side, 128 Gallery and 2B2C Gallery. Um, and then in Brooklyn, Two Boots Pizza and, uh, and a showroom um, that will be hosting us. So we expect to show about 58 artists. Uh, but my biggest thing is doing interactive art events around sustainability and consciousness. So where in Miami I do, you know, maybe three, four panels a day in interactive experiences within the art galleries. Here in New York, I am just focusing all of my attention on the start to our tour, um, which is along with Mothers Against Gun Violence and Gun Mark. Um, and this is a really big one for us um, because I don't know if you know Favor, but and, and the fans that are listening today and listeners, thank you for being here. Um, but to date, there has been more shootings than there have days in the years in 2023. Uh, Miss Deborah has those statistics and numbers um, to the point to right now that she can share with us. Um, but the what we consider this as a senior celebrity publicist. Um, you know, what I consider this and what, you know, my cohorts consider this is, is a state of emergency. 
and so this is what it is it's an urgent call um so the divine alignment of uh, meeting Miss Deborah and Mothers Against Gun Violence in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and what they've done um, with mural and memorial bus stops, uh, also the art therapy work that they've done, that's what we're going to be bringing to New York so that people can see it in real time. Also, we'll be sharing an eight-minute movie about the art therapy that her and Dr. Raul have done with victims and their families. Um, and the memorial art commemorating our loved ones and now ancestors. Um, and so we're going to marry that along with the soundtrack, which is called Code Blue, that Miss Sarah Firework uh, is graciously um, giving us uh, part of the proceeds of the sales um, donations back to uh, Mothers Against Gun Violence as well as Gunmark. Um, and she'll be releasing her new single, Code Blue, there in uh, New York with us live. And then we have, you know, Miss Safita Artist Mills, my sister in and um, advocate who we have had the blessed alignment since Super Bowl to really start working together on advocacy and all the things that we're doing. We have more projects in this, this but when she brought to me Gunmark, my heart just was full. And I'm like, wow, this sister is a co-founder of a solution-based technology that can literally change our world right now. And see, my focus favorite is finding, let's not just talk about it, let's not just you know advocate about it, but let's find the solution and then implement the solution. And so this is what this technology brings to us, uh, something that we can actually stand behind by, you know, bipartisan and all agree this is something that is needed and can be implemented immediately with the right funding behind it. And so, again, we're going to keep bringing those solutions um, as I continue to work on the 17 UN Sustainable Goals. And, and so it's an honor and a blessing to be here. Um, and all and much honor and respect to our mother in the space here, Ms. Deborah Gillespie, and all the work that she's done up until this point um, in legislation, in working and uh, bringing our politicians aboard. Senator Baldwin has signed on to this. We're working with the Violence Prevention Office and the Mayor's Office in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we're going to get ready to take these stories and these beautiful ancestors with us and tell the story so that the nervous system, the nervous system can hear and understand this uh, these stories, this tragedy, which it might be normally very triggering, but with the soundtrack of music behind it, and then a solution married into that in an interactive art experience, I consider this something like STEM, which is um, you know science, technology, engineering, art, and music, um, and and so this is that interactive experience, so that when the people leave, they are solution based and action based, and that is my hope with the Code Blue Art Exhibition, May 18th at 7 p.m. in New York, and you'll get more information to follow. Thank you so much for having us. Wow. Thank you so much for breaking this down. This is so helpful because it also gets people to see how important this is. When you think about numbers, you don't play with numbers because you are actually thinking about the intricate effect that it causes you know, long-term when you think about the psychology of how things work. And right now we're at that point where we're trying to numb that, but at the same time actualize it so we can be better and have less numbers almost to zero, which is possible. And it happens in other countries, it happens in the world. It's not, it's not a new thing. So 
I, I'm so happy that this is something that needs to come to light so it's not considered as a norm, which should not be. And it creates more experiences for people to enjoy with their loved ones, which is the main goal of us having been here together. So I would love to know, you know, if we could break down what Gunmark is for people who want to have an insight. Could we get some insight on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's definitely an honor to be here in any space where I have the opportunity to explain what Gunmark is and to also touch on why it's very, very personal for me. Uh, as stated before, I am an indirect victim of gun violence. And I think uh, just emphasizing that is important because of the people who are left behind when they move their, their loved ones that have to deal with the lifelong grief. This is not a, there's no specific time frame and no right or wrong process when it comes to grieving. And they could be any moment or any particular situation that will pull you right back into that, that situation and where you may randomly cry, you may randomly get angry or frustrated because you may not have closure. Uh, I was one of those children who did not get closure and I lost my father at a really young age. Um, about 12 or 13 uh, I was and uh, my father's killers were never brought to justice and then in the height of the COVID pandemic I lost my 24 year old cousin that I watched grow up from the, the time he was born so for me it is it, it's definitely a state of emergency but it is uh, it's unacceptable and it should not be normal this should not be normal for us, especially for those of us who have children that go to school. The last thing on a child's mind should be the, you know, the possibility of dying in a classroom. And that really hits really heavily for me. And I just could not imagine what it's like to be a mother losing a child tragically, especially when you sent them to school, which is supposed to be a safe space. So for Gunmark technology, it is not only about accountability and responsibility as a gun owner, it is most specifically in looking at ways that these instances can be prevented. Imagine being able to, for a school, to get a warning or an alert that there is a firearm within an area or vicinity of the school that could possibly turn into an active shooter situation and they're able to lock down the school prior to that active shooter gaining access to that building. And that was one of the things that we focused on in, not, in having IoT sensors, which would be embedded into a firearm, which would begin at the manufacturing process so that these firearms are traceable, that they can track them all over the country, all over the world, just depending on, on you know, what, how, however, we're able to get this implemented and becoming a standard, which we would, of course, want it to become a standard here in the United States, but this should be something that should be uh, done globally because we see so many times where if someone loses their life due to gun violence, if that murder weapon is not found, then usually the case can never be resolved. There's one thing. Then you have schools, government buildings, churches, shopping centers, grocery stores, where these mass shootings have occurred and 
imagine how many lives would have been saved if they knew that that person was coming or if they knew ahead of time that there was a firearm that was in the area that they're able to at least alert authorities to where they're they're readily available to alleviate that situation. There's so many different factors that can go into uh, the how to prevent these situations. So I'm a firm believer in using technology for good. I understand people have issues with privacy and being tracked, but I always say if you have a cell phone, you're being tracked anyway. Every conversation you have, everything is being recorded. And even just walking around every day in society, there's cameras everywhere that people aren't even aware are there, but they're watching, they're recording information, they're recording conversations. So it's not just about trying to help people become more comfortable with why these types of this type of technology is necessary, but it's not to invade people's privacy. In fact, because it is blockchain based, it is a lot more um, a lot less invasive, but making sure that the people that need to know the information, the people that need to know who owns these firearms, who's responsible in the event that this firearm is used unlawfully, which also helps gun owners in the event that their firearm may be stolen, if they're able to report that immediately and their firearm is used in the commission of a crime, now that alleviates them from being responsible for what took place with their firearms. So there's so many different things that we thought of in prevention and protecting gun owners and into promoting responsibility when it comes to being a gun owner and that it is a privilege and it is not something that should be given to anyone and that there are certain, as uh, uh, someone had previously said earlier today, there's certain classification of firearms that should not be on the street at all. So there's a lot to discuss, there's a lot to talk about, there's a lot that can continue to be added and built into the technology so that we can make society safer, most specifically, you know, for our children, because if they are our future and we're losing them in this manner, how much of a future can we look forward to for our kids if we can't even send them to school without being afraid that they may not come home? This is heavy. This is heavy. It's like I'm thinking about so many things right now, especially when you mention technology, because that's what we're using now. You know, when you think about apps, we have things like Amber Alerts, but there should be more than that. You know, so I'm thinking about it's already available. And how can we make that readily available for people who need them? based on data, based on history, based on track records, based on things. Because when you hear about these things, they are planned. So if you can cut the plan or dis, you know, just cease and desist the plan, there's a, there's a solution to this. And I know that it's not far from reach as well. So what would be the first thing you would tell someone who is thinking about all these things we're talking about? How, would, how can they process this and what should they do next? Uh, I mean, it's, it's really no easy way to to tell someone how to process it. Uh, I think that we, we have to understand that there's not a one-size-fits-all type of, 
you know, solution. That you have to break things down and compartmentalize them in a way and how to address each of the things, including getting to the root causes, uh, you know, of these things. There's so much. It, it's a very deep and very heavy conversation because we're talking about so many factors that go into this, including, you know, mental health. Um, as this is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's a lot of people with mental health issues um, that so in some cases they have found that people who have um, committed these crimes did have mental health issues. That's not always the case, but because that is something that does happen, you know, how do we handle mental health? And in this country, mental health is not handled in a way that is solutionary in a way to where people are really getting the help that is needed. We're talking about people who are constantly victimized and traumatized by their environment that can ultimately grow up and emulate the very things that they have seen and experienced. We're talking about children that are being exposed to things that as their mind, their brain is developing, they're experiencing an excessive amount of trauma. And they're constantly seeing these things replayed over and over again. That can impact someone mentally. It does not have to, it doesn't stop it being something that is genetic. It is environmental factors that can cause a mental breakdown. A normal everyday person that's never experienced something like that can suddenly have a mental breakdown because of the things that they're constantly bombarded with, the stress that people are experiencing because of what's happening happening economically. These are things that are a recipe for disaster when they're not addressed and when people don't have an outlet, when people don't have safe spaces, when there isn't you know, healing that is cultivated in how we address what's happening in society. So, you know, technology is something that when explained correctly and when giving people a better understanding of how this could be utilized for so many reasons and to do so much good than harm, then it'll help people to be more receptive of why there is a need for tracking and tracing in certain aspects, but still also respecting people's privacy and not to mis you know, misuse or abuse um, access to that kind of information. And that's something that we definitely had talked about and that we don't want to do. We want people to feel safe and we want people to know that there is information that could be submitted anonymously to where it's not necessarily exposing the person that's reporting information and um, that will definitely save people's lives. So it's a lot, it's a lot to process, but I think we should always be willing to have the hard conversation that we don't always want to have, but that's the beginning of understanding and beginning of coming up with the solution that can make people feel more comfortable because it's not technology in and of itself that is evil. Anything can be used for evil depending on the person that's using it, any tool, it doesn't matter what it is. So it's, I want people to understand more that there's so much more good that can be done and things that can be created to help us and to help our society and to make things better for each other and for our children and get back to communities, you know, being that village because that's missing. And we want to help be, you know, a catalyst for that change and to cultivate that kind of unity within the community to be able to report things, to be able to not be afraid to say, you know, this is not happening in my neighborhood. I'm not going to continue to watch this happen and do nothing about it. So that's what I would encourage people to do when they are processing these things to figure out in a way that best is best comfortable for them to 
get involved and to figure out ways to help, even if it just means sharing it with someone that could potentially help such a worthy cause. Thank you so much for that. That's very helpful. It, it, I think it also opens up a lot of conversation within themselves to start asking questions that mean the most to them so they can make better decisions. Because when you think about mental health, it's those processes. It's what you're telling yourself. It's like, I can do this, I can do this. And then you do it. But if you tell yourself the opposite, then that snowballs. So it's very important to look at that. You know, I'm now thinking about the mental health in regards to like sound and music. You know, when I now think about that as therapy, you know, I love to hear, you know, from anyone, Sarah, you know, Safida, Siva or Deborah. When I think about the song now, specifically, how, what is that emotional factor you want people to get out of the song that's going to give them that lyrics wise energy wise all wise what would that be thank you favor so for code blue i think one big thing for me is always finding a way to use my voice for good and finding a way to unite people through music and to elevate causes whether it be a nonprofit or a movement and that was something that i wanted to do as a young girl too. I, I found a letter I wrote when I was 10 that talked about how I wanted to use my voice to help the homeless and help people that needed assistance or a cause. And, and being an artist and using your voice in a, a powerful way to help unite people I think is really important. This specific song is, it's a grief song. It's a, it's a loss song. It's about abandonment. It's about still feeling someone's energy that you may have lost within you. And while it is a heavier emotional song, it also is a hopeful song. It's meant to remind people of the power of uniting around grief. And I feel like in a society similar to mental health issues, oftentimes grief isn't talked about enough. Um, as we're going through navigating this epidemic of gun violence, oftentimes it gets politicized first before we look at the human side of it. And having that people like Deborah and Safita who have lived through loss and have lost loved ones and knowing that if we use our voice and we, we unite around that we need to remind people that there are real emotions tied to these issues and I feel like it's it's so important to allow ourselves to process those emotions um, one thing I feel about grief is it's sort of like all the emotions wrapped in one so it's like all the colors of emotions and the more we can talk about those situations, the more we can unite around the need for change in policy and the need to unite political parties and look at this as a nonpartisan issue and more as a human issue, that's where we'll make real change. So, you know, when I had met Deborah many years ago and heard her moving story about the start of Mothers Against Gun Violence and how it stemmed from losing her son, and to know the strength that that took to create a movement around her grief and to help other survivors. I think my, my vision for this song and the emotions, you know, it's, you can't really dictate what emotions will come from listening to a song, right? It's meant to flow into you. Um, I wrote a quote that was, art is perception, you get what you need. So I'm hoping this song provides to the listeners what they need in that moment, whether it's to feel that that loved one that's moved on, whether it's to empathize more of the human issue, whether it's to 
understand that there are real people grieving the loss of their fathers and their children and their sons and their loved ones and that there is things we can do to help make this movement um, and bring solutions to it like with what Sapita is working on and it's just you know I think music is a powerful way to unite people and I'm hoping that it reminds people of the human impact of, of gun violence and reminds us of the power of uniting around issues like this and working towards solutions. I'm excited. Thank you so much for that. Go ahead. I um, sent you the song favor because as this will be um, put out on Monday, yeah. um, that's the day that we're so blue. So you can go ahead and play the song or I can play it um, either now or at the end. Okay. I've heard it and already I'm just, I can't wait for them to hear it. <laughs> Let me just put it like that because I feel like it's going to really put them in that state of thinking because every every lyric has a meaning and that meaning has an emotion so it's not just about going through the song it's about going through the moment and also taking in those moments to really come out better you know see how we can make the world a better place and and reduce all this so that we can have what it means to have you know families you know friends loved ones and that's the goal the goal is to be a better place because iron sharpens iron if i can't sharpen myself you know i i need someone to help me that's why we have accountability partners so that's why it's so important for us to be together and in this unity we're creating for people to also experience is where that growth that mindset comes in because if you like they say if you see something say something because we all have something to say and we all have something to do as part of, you know, the human race. So I really appreciate that. You know, one question I wanted to ask about the event is as people are going to the event and they are ready for the event, they're getting ready for it. What should they prepare as far as coming so they don't leave anything behind? What would that thing be? I mean, just come as they are, with an open heart, ready to receive and surrender and be ready to implement a solution um, through helping with donations, um, helping with sponsorships, helping with signing our petition at change.org. Um, and continuing to do the work and advocacy work until we bring the solution. I think if we really unify um, together, things can be done overnight. I don't think that we have to wait and be drawn out three months, six months, eight months, no. Um, But by fall, our hope is with the tour, this is just the first exhibition and then we'll add on the play in Washington, D.C. But, you know, we're going to bring the solution as well as the awareness, the storytelling, the truth telling, the art, that so that it can help impact their soul. And then with the music um, as a soundtrack, you know, it's, it's interactive. So this is what I consider. Basically, if you are absorbing everything around you and you're, you know, you're inspired by everything around you, if I can put you in a room with that that's energy everything is energy we all know that and so just that energy alone is going to be felt um through the hearts and the souls so i'm just asking that you come with your 
you know, just as you are. And we'll take care of the nervous system from there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. And for those also trying to find the link as well, it's in the show notes, in the description. Just tap on the links and you get all the access links to make sure that you're available and staying in touch is also a big thing. You know, I also believe in even after the event is over, there's that accountability, you know, I mentioned, and that allows people to still come back and give you feedback, which is very important because life can be busy. The world is a busy place. And if we don't check on each other, we might miss those little signals. So I appreciate this and I definitely look forward to hearing more good news about what has brought to the community long term for the you know, benefit of our children and children's children. So Deborah, I would love to hear you, you know, any thoughts, anything you'd like to say, and then we'll go to Siva. Uh, sure, um, I really liked uh, what Sabo just said, um, that, you know, there may be some uh, preconceptions of what is gun violence, however, gun violence isn't a black and brown issue it's a people issue and until we realize that my problem is your problem and your problem is my problem we won't solve the issues of gun violence but with something so magnificent and god sent as gunmark i don't see that there's any more excuses you know, we were looking at these statistics and they're current to May 15, May 13th. We've lost over 15,000 people to gun violence in America. That should be unacceptable. But the fact that the majority of them are minorities, it's okay. But how can that be okay when we, we are the highest uh, people putting into our national income. I mean, we're talking over $31 trillion. And yet, that shouldn't be okay. So we do need to act. We do need to come together and say enough is enough. I love what Sarah said. Sarah said that um, our collective grief needs to be louder than gun violence. Amen to that. Sarah's right. It does. And the fact that the government, we're already charging um, gun manufacturers for guns, all their sales, it's either 10% or handguns or 11% for long guns and all ammunition and ancillary products. That's over. $4.6 billion they collected in 2022. <laughs> We're only asking for what? One, two percent to fund gun mark and put it in, offer a solution to gun violence in America. I think that's a good investment. 100%. And it's doable. It can be done. So it's, it goes back. It can to be done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, the government, I mean, I should ask, make a choice. You can give us 1%, 2% of the existing um, $31.6 billion, or you can raise it 1%, 2%, and still fund gun. Because right now, the total, as I said, 
it comes out to they average it for eight with the 10 11 percent that's how much they grossed of all total sales that that's a lot of money you guys with 41.6 billion that's a lot of money and I just wanted to to, you know quickly add to that so what um, Ms. Deborah is saying there are people out there that are to have a solution to something that we've been trying hard to find solutions for aside from what we've done with Gunmark that it's because of the lack of capital and funding and even exposure to bring these things to market so imagine if the government and you know both state and federal government were to get involved to uh, allocate a percentage of tax revenue to fund these types of solutions and these entrepreneurs and technologies and you know different things that people are creating to solve a problem especially a problem as big as gun violence problems as big as homelessness just all the things in society that need a solution that somewhere somebody is sitting there with the solution but they can't bring it to market because of the lack of resources that is needed in order to do it so it's not we're not asking for a lot but this is something that you don't want to wait until it happens to you you don't want to wait and say i'll care when when it hits close to home you don't want it to hit close to home trust me It's not something you want to relate to. It's not something you want to say that you've experienced. And both myself and Ms. Deborah can tell you that is something that we don't wish on anybody. So so it's better to be a part of a solution and to create what these standards are because we, the people of this country, have more power than we realize. And when we unite and come together, we can express and exercise that power. We can hold elected officials accountable to the things that they promise you were put in a position of power to serve in whatever district whatever state city or municipality in which you are in and if you are not serving the people what is your purpose in being in that seat give that seat to someone who is going to serve a purpose and who is going to serve the people and better their communities what is the point in being in a community that you're not there to improve and make circumstances better for the people and make it a community that's able to thrive and sustain itself, you know, economically, you know, people themselves, mentally, physically, spiritually, people need to be able to thrive and have a better quality of life than being in a society where we have to be concerned about things that should be the furthest thing from our minds, especially as a parent and especially with children and yes. their innocence being robbed of them because of the things that they are constantly exposed to that they shouldn't even be aware of. Mm-hmm. But here we are. So I totally agree with Ms. Deborah, and I'm always thankful and grateful to her for this work because I know it has to be gut-wrenching to constantly relive and have to speak about your loss as you're continuing to grieve through the process. So I'm, I'm always going to admire and just love on her as much as possible because it takes a lot for her to do what she does and she's done a lot and she has not stopped and she could have been that person that said you know this is 
this is too much for me. I'm I'm just going to continue to personally grieve and I'm not going to put myself out there knowing how many people that she's impacting and that she's helping from this. Understand every mother, every sister, every brother, every person that is an indirect victim of this, you are amplifying their voices. You, when you come and you support the, this kind of work, you're telling people not only that you're here, but I stand with you, I stand behind you. And so this is not something that you know, stops in New York. We're going to continue to keep going until we can reach that solution because we have to be that catalyst for change if we want a better future for our children and ourselves because it is absolutely necessary. This is not optional. Amen. She's right. And I just want to change that from 8% that I mentioned that it was an 84% increase in the taxes that the federal government was receiving in gun sales and the ancillary products. The correction. Wow. I think, Ms. Deborah, you mentioned earlier that as of the statistics of May 13th, um, we've lost 6,000 of our babies to gun violence within those 15,000. Yes. Yes, so that's up to date in 2023. Those are brand new statistics, and they shouldn't be a statistic at all. No way. Yeah, we lost specifically up until May 13th, 2023, 6,642 children to gun violence. It's it's really up to us. Thank you so much, Miss Deborah, for that. You know, Safida, Saiba, Sarah. This is uh it's a it's a state of emergency. It's more than a state of emergency. This is a top of the list priority because this affects everything. It affects the economy. It affects every single bit piece. You can you can't detach this from anything. It's all inclined. And this is where I believe as you're listening to this episode, please, as you're listening to this episode, make sure that before you finish this into this episode, click on the link and make your donation. Act now because life happens. If you can listen to this episode actively and make that contribution, you have done your part. You have done your part and God will reward you for that part you have done. So that's just a call from us to make sure that you're not just listening, you are acting. And as you're acting, you will see the benefits of your action because you paid that forward. So I really appreciate you being here and definitely looking forward to good news and better news and a better world for us and our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, because we need them. So I really appreciate you all for being here with us today. And I'm excited for the event and and just be there. If you're in New York, be there. <laughs> be there or be square. <laughs> Make sure you're there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, you know, seeing you soon, God willing. And thank you so much for being with us here today on the We Don't Play podcast show. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Anytime. I saw a storm